Blog Talk Radio. today. Good love. Is your relationship everything you want it to be? Are you living a fulfilled, passionate life empowered with choices that ignite you to the next level? Good love makes your whole life better. So join America's good love doctor, Dr. Brenda Wade, on a journey to your healthiest life yet. A regular on Dr. Oz and Dr. Drew, She's appeared on Oprah, Good Morning America, and is featured in countless publications from USA Today to Essence Magazine. The creator of life-changing Get Unstuck Now, Love, Money, and Save a Seminars, she's counseled millions, but today she's here just for you with the hottest topics, guests, and trends. This is Good Love with Dr. Brenda Wade. Hello, everyone. Get ready. We have a hot show for you tonight because we have a very hot lady as our guest. I'm your good love doctor, Dr. Brenda Wade, and it's such a joyful celebration every week when we're together for this program because we get to focus on what is on everybody's mind. And tonight we're going to focus on being happy. Mm, yeah, think about that for a minute. Being happy. Now, that's in the face of one out of every five women in America being on antidepressants, and six million more men are beginning to take them every year. And even though we have more material well-being than ever in this country, for most of us anyway, we're still unhappy. Why? Today's guest is someone I adore. It's Marcy Shimoff, who has revolutionary ideas and insights that are guaranteed to make you happy or else. So here we go. We're going to talk about where happiness begins, and that seems appropriate given that Joan Rivers just passed away, and she made so many people happy. There was this huge outpouring of gratefulness to Joan Rivers for the joy she brought, for all the breakthroughs she created for women, the way that she opened doors for women comics and artists and actors. And she was a tremendous force. So think about Joan cracking one of her signature jokes. I actually did a show with her in Los Angeles, and Joan said to me, we have the same agent as it turned out, She said, does that man even own a suit? What is it with jeans? She said, that's why I like older men, and I date Methuselah. So there you have it. That's a signature Joan dating Methuselah kind of joke. We've got this hit, this hit song, Happy, by Farrell. Everybody has heard his song, and you can't sit still. You just, at least me, I want to jump up and dance every time I hear it. Happy, happy, happy. 
So what does it mean to be truly happy? How can we get there? So let me introduce tonight's wonderful transformational leader, Marcy Shimoff, who reveals the truth, which is we don't have to manipulate the world around us to be happy. What we need to do is be happy from the inside out, and her best-selling book is Happy for No Reason. I'll tell you more about Marcy in just a minute. Her website is www.happyfornoreason.com. And tonight, as always on our program, we're going to focus on why good love and happiness is essential to your greatness, how to identify those negative love patterns that are blocking you from true intimacy and happiness, and how you can break free of the chains of what happened back then so that you are free to experience love and happiness right now. Now, Marcy was inspired by her own desire to be happy. She spent decades researching the science of happiness, interviewing scores of experts, and one very special group that she calls the Happy 100, 100 people, 100-year-old people from all walks of life that are deeply, unconditionally happy. Now, in case I got that wrong, she will correct me. She discovered that happiness isn't an abstract emotion. It's more of a physiological state that can be measured. Mm, I love that. We can measure it. And more often than not, it's available in everyday life. Now, Marcy is also a number one New York Times bestselling author, a world-renowned transformational teacher, and an expert on happiness, success, and unconditional love. Her books include the runaway bestsellers, Love for No Reason, Happy for No Reason, Seven Steps to Being Happy from the Inside Out. She's got six titles in the phenomenally successful Chicken Soup for the Woman's Soul series. And her books have sold more than, get this number, everybody, 15 million copies worldwide in 33 different languages. She's topped every major bestseller list, been on the New York Times bestseller list for a total of 118 weeks. And I want to say that Marcy is someone who has spoken, guest, she's been very gracious for some of the seminars that I put on here at our Love, Money, and Seva Academy. And we've had her Skype in so that we could see her on our big six-foot screen. And everyone in the room could see Marcy light up as she started sharing her heartfelt message about happiness and about love and about forgiveness, and it was quite something to actually, as a group, witness her light up. So let me introduce, without any further frou-frou and all of that, she's tremendously inspiring and accomplished. Marcy Shimoff, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much, Brenda. I love to talk about happiness, and I love to talk about love, and I love to do those things with you. We always have such a good time doing this. Oh, it's true. And I was telling Marcy just a few minutes before we started, just hearing her voice gave me goosebumps. So if you get all goosebumpy, everybody, it's because this woman is the real deal. She -hmm. has such a big heart, and her energy just comes right through. So Marcy... You wrote this book, Happy for No Reason. Were you born happy? Or did oh, my you gosh. Have to work I, was, at it? I was 
so not born happy. You know, I think there's a uh, there's that saying that I know we've all heard that we teach what we most want to learn. Yes. And um, I I came out of the womb with existential angst. Oh. I was depressed as a kid. I had a great family. I had a great childhood. You know, a great environment that I grew up in. Um, but I just I just remember from the time I was very little that I was pretty miserable and hmm. for no reason. I was unhappy for no reason. <laughs> oh, bless your heart. But I was wow. I was really lucky, Brenda, because I. I had a happiness mentor, and that was my father. My father was the happiest person I have ever met in my life. He he passed away probably, I think it was seven years ago, yeah, oh. at the age of 91 years old. Wow. And every morning of that life of his, he woke up with a big smile on his face and just felt like life was a great thing. And I remember one day... He and I were driving down the road together. I was about 19, and I was, you know, I was, I had this kind of heaviness all around me. And I looked at him, and I, I asked him, I thought, a great question. I said, Dad, what's your best advice for me for life? And he didn't think about it for an instant. He turned to me, and he said four words. He said, Honey, just be happy. And I remember throwing my arms up into the air in frustration and saying, Oh, Dad, you were born that way, but... I wasn't. What do I do to be happy? Now, that one he thought about for a minute, and then he turned to me and he said four more words. He said, honey, I don't know. (laughs) And it was at that point that I realized, you know, some people are just born happy, and I was not one of those people. And I made a commitment to, to try to find out what I could do in life to be happy. And I've studied it, as you said. I've done a lot of research in the field. I've applied whatever I've learned. And the good news, Brenda, is that it works. That I would say I went from a, a D plus in happiness, I was almost failing, to an A to an A minus. I'm still in process. Mm. But it really does work. And and that sh- that to me, you know, it's it that this is this is a real big deal because we all want happiness. In fact, it's what we want more than anything. That's you think true, of, Mercy. Yeah. Why do you want anything? Because you think it'll make it you happier. Yeah. Now, what about people? There are so many people today who are depressed, who are right. suffering. We've got people having rather public outbursts and meltdowns. I'm thinking about the football player who got released from the team, who Mr. Rice, who was caught on video literally knocking his wife out. Now, that's not a happy guy. And, you know, we have celebrities going through divorces right and left. They're not happy. And then there are people like me. I don't know if I was born happy or not. I know that I have plenty of reason to be unhappy as a kid because I didn't have a family like yours. And I've had to work at it. But what about people who are depressed and who are, you know, acting out in violent ways? You know, what do we... I don't know. I don't know. They weren't born that way. I think most people who act out probably have some trauma. But what's your hit on that, Marcy? Yeah. Well, you know, as you mentioned earlier when in the beginning of this of this uh, our time together, unhappiness is an epidemic in our culture. One out of 5 women in North America is on antidepressants. It's staggering. We have more than we've ever had. And we are unhappier than ever. And I think there are a few causes of this. Um, first of all, 
we have been taught to look in ha- look for happiness in all of the wrong places. I mean, we really have been trained from a young age that our happiness is going to come from outside of ourselves. If I can only work hard enough, if I can only make enough money, if I can only find the right husband or wife, if I can only make sure that my kids are, you know, good. I mean, it's it's always about, I call it the I'll be happier when syndrome. I'll be happier when something else in my life is different, whether it's, you know, my, my income, my husband, my wife, my, you know, I'll be happier when I lose 20 pounds is one of the very popular ones. And so we've really been trained erroneously to look at happiness outside of ourselves. And the research so clearly shows that it really isn't there. That, you know, you could take, we all know people who are who have a lot of wealth. All you have to do is look at, at Hollywood, what you were re- referencing, Brenda, to see that money, fame, success, they cannot, they don't relate necessarily. Right, for the football happiness. player I was talking about, yeah. They just don't. It's just, you know, we think that when we get, here's the cool thing, or not the cool thing, but the sad thing perhaps. We, cha- we think that when we get that next great thing that we thought we wanted, that we'll be happier. And while we are, it only lasts for a short time, and we very soon become acclimated to that new thing that we got. So even people who win the lottery, within a year, they have returned to their original happiness set point. There's this, this thing called a happiness set point. Yeah, and talk about that, because that sounds like I was reading – you know, from your book, of course, and the Happy for No Reason, everybody, that's a great book. You can run, not walk and get that. But one of the things you talk about is it's like the body weight set point that pulls yes. people back to that certain weight. How does that work? Yeah, it's it's like a thermostat setting. We all This to me, by the way, uh, there's a lot of research on happiness. Out of all of the research on happiness, this to me is the most exciting piece of research because when I share it with you, you'll see what it's about to show us is that we science has cracked the happiness code. We know what it takes for people to be happier. And, you know, to me, Brenda, and I think you would agree, this should be headline news. Here we – science knows how we can be happier. and yeah, that it's should what, be headline news. You're what right. What we all want, and that's, that should be, you know, the cover of, of New York Times. Science knows how to how to make us happier. <laughs> but so anyway, here's here's that piece of of research. We all have this thing called the happiness set point. That's like our weight set point or like a thermostat setting. What it means is no matter what happens to us on the outside, we will tend to hover around our happiness set point. So whether things good or bad happen to us, we win the lottery or we have a tragedy happen. Generally, within about a year of anything extreme happening to us, we will have returned to our original happiness set point. But they've also found that we can change our happiness set point. And that's really the ticket. The ticket to our happiness explains why so many people win the lottery and end up a year later right where they were before. Completely. They don't have, they're not any happier, and they've actually in most cases, lost much of that money because they didn't have the consciousness to be able to um, maintain 
um, that identity as somebody who had that much more money. Now, when you say consciousness, Mercy, what does that mean? Yeah, what a really good question. You know, I don't have a great definition for the word consciousness. I, I view consciousness as a state of energetic vibration, and I I hate to get woo-woo on us, but I'm going to get just slightly woo-woo for a moment. Is that all right, Brenda? Oh, yeah, and I'm going to back you up. Okay, good. <laughs> so physics, science says everything in the universe is energy. Everything is vibrating at a specific energetic level, and that includes us. And our consciousness is that level at which our self, our body, mind, spirit is vibrating. And uh, according to the law of attraction, which is, is is spoken about in the in the hit movie The Secret, which I was a part of, we attract to us based on our energetic vibration or based on our consciousness. So if we want better things in our you know a better experiences in our life, or we want to attract higher level of experiences in our life then our real job is to raise our energetic vibration or raise our level of consciousness. So does that help? Yeah, and let me back you up. Please, what you're saying is so important, and everybody already knows, everyone who listens to this show regularly knows, I am the quintessential geek. I am a great lover of research. I started out as a research specialist before I became a clinician. And what Marcy is speaking about can be looked at in a slightly different way, She's talking from a quantum physics angle, which I support 100% because she's right on the money. The leading principle of quantum physics is everything is energy. But the other way to look at it is when you have a particular mental attitude or a particular emotion, your body is creating chemicals that match that emotion. We know that affects the immune system. It affects everything in your body. So just know that we can't separate the body, the emotions, the mind, and this energy that Marcy's describing that we call consciousness or spirit or whatever you want to call it, we've all got it. And when we raise it by being happy, all kinds of chain reactions can happen in your life. So Marcy's going to tell us more about how to get the chain reaction going. And if you want to join the conversation you can call in live, old school, and talk to Marcy. Talk to me with your questions, your comments, your concerns. We're okay if you go, that sounds like a whole bunch of mm-hmm-hmm. Okay, it's 347-989-0776 to call in. And Cliff Dunning is standing by to take your call. You can hit us back on Facebook or tweet us at Dr. Brenda Wade. Any of those methods of Getting your comments and questions in will work just fine. And we'd love to hear from you. All right, go right ahead. Marcy, please. Well, yeah, so, uh, and by the way, I just want to let you, let everybody know that I, I I tend to be a really practical person. I think very much like you, Brenda. I like the nuts and bolts. And I, I care about giving you things that are actually going to really make a shift in your life. So I want to make sure that during our time together, I give you at least two or three practices that you can do to raise your happiness set point um, that you can apply right away. But first let me just tell you a little bit about this happiness set point and in terms of, of how it's derived and how you can change it. So the happiness set point is 50% genetic. 
You're born with that. It's your DNA. It's 10% your circumstances. Now, notice what a small piece of the pie that is. 10% is affected, of our happiness is affected by those outer things like where you live or, you know, who you're married to or what job you do or how much money you have, 10%. And notice that's what we all put all of our attention on changing. You know, we put 100% of our attention on changing 10%. It doesn't matter. Wow. And now here's the trick. The other 40% of our happiness set point is based on our habits of thoughts and behavior. And that's where our greatest leverage is. That's where our greatest ability to change our life comes from. And I'm going to take it a step further. And, and uh, Brenda, I just love that you are um, such a science geek. Um, and, you know, to me, you're just you're the perfect uh, balance of incredibly practical and so easy to understand, but you really have done your deep scientific research, and I so appreciate that. So in, in a field of science called epigenetics, um, Dr. Bruce Lipton, who wrote The Biology of Belief, is a, is a lead researcher in epigenetics. In that field, they Bruce. say oh, yeah. that our genes, that 50% that I said was our DNA and our hap- that we're born with, they say that that DNA is influenced by that 40% that's our habits of thoughts and behavior, that in fact it can be very strongly influenced. So even though we might be born with a particular DNA, we are eliciting, we're eliciting um, different responses from our DNA when we change our habits of thoughts and behavior. And what that means is that up to 90% of our happiness set point can be changed when we change these habits. And there are there are a, just a small number. I, I've actually identified 21 specific habits that anyone can practice to raise their happiness set point. You don't have to go practice them all. Even just doing a couple of them will Wow, but 90%, Marcy, that is a compelling number. All right, everybody, I want you to get out your pen and paper, get out the little note-taking thing on your phone or your tablet. Did you hear that? You are responsible. We are all responsible for 90% of our happiness, and, you know, that translates for me, Marcy, to 90% of what is going on in our lives. That's amazing. Mm. It really is. And, and uh, you know, the other thing, Brenda, as you know, these habits of happiness that raise your happiness at point, they are not hard. They are really quite simple things, and they don't take enormous amounts of time. There's things but we have can, to do it ourselves, right? But we do have to, you know. I so wanted somebody thing. else to make me happy, Marcy. Right. No Come one on. can do sit-ups for you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But they're not anywhere near as hard as sit-ups. Can, may, I, may, I, may I start by just sharing Please. one thing that we all can do? And it's such a simple thing. And it's, um, it's a practice that I learned from a group called the Institute of Heart Math. And I know, I know you certainly know well yes, about. Yeah, we them. just had Bruce Cryer on as a guest a couple of oh, weeks back. Great, love Bruce. Yeah. So maybe did he do the inner ease technique with everybody? No, he didn't. He oh didn't. well, then okay. So you know, one of the pieces of one one of the pieces of research to me that they've done that to me is phenomenal. They found that when you're angry, or frustrated, or stressed out, for just five minutes. It can suppress your immune system 
for up to six hours. But when you're feeling love, compassion, ease for just five minutes, it can strengthen your immune system for up to six hours. So there are some simple things that can have some long-ranging effects during our day. And I want to do a practice with you that we're not going to do for five minutes. We're just going to do for two. But I want you to notice if you experience a shift in just these two minutes of doing this. And, and Brenda, can I ask you to be my guinea pig? You bet. I love to be your guinea pig. All right. I've always Dr. Brenda wanted to the be guinea your pig. guinea pig. Mark. All right. So fun. I'm going to ask everybody to do this along with us, but you're going to be the vocal one of Alrighty, representing cool. everybody. So in just a moment, what I'm going to have you do is I'm going to have you close your eyes. If you're at a place where you're able to close your eyes, if you, mm-hmm. if you can't close your eyes, if you're driving, please don't do this. But you still can uh, do the uh, – there, there's three steps. So right now, if you're able to, please close your eyes. Okay, my eyes are closed. Very good. The first step is to simply place the palm of your hand over your heart. Mm, okay. Now that very simple act of putting your hand on your heart starts the flow of a chemical called oxytocin. Mm-hmm. And oxytocin is dubbed the love hormone because it's what we feel more of. We have more of when we feel bonded and connected with each other. We have um, women who, are, who give birth have so much oxytocin. Uh, women who are breastfeeding have so much oxytocin. Being around babies, I, I have a great niece who's um, two months old, and I was with her yesterday, and I was on an oxytocin high. Um, so just being around children, sometimes being around pets, but just ourselves putting our hand on our heart like this can also stimulate the greater flow of oxytocin in your life. Mm. Now the second step here is to imagine that you're breathing in and out through the center of your heart, just mm-hmm. underneath the palm of your hand. So imagine that you are inhaling into your heart and exhaling out of your heart. And you can either picture that or you can feel that, whichever works best for you. Oh, I can breathe both. Ah, uh, yeah. And you may already start to notice that you're feeling some shift just from these two steps. But then the piece de resistance Yeah. in the third step here. And that is, on each inhale, I'd like you to imagine that you're breathing in love, ease, and compassion. Now, your exhales can just be normal exhales as though you're breathing out of your heart. But on each inhale, at your own pace, breathe in love, breathe in ease, and breathe in compassion. Wow. And exhale normally. Now, on this inhale, when you're breathing in love, ease, or compassion, you can either remember a time when you felt any of those, or you can just internally say those words, and it will have an effect. So let's just one more time breathe in love, ease, and compassion into your heart, and on your next exhale, You can slowly open your eyes if they were closed, and you can take your hand away at your own pace. Hmm. And I want you to sit for, you know, just sit for a little bit right now and notice how do you feel right now? How do you feel in your body? How do you feel emotionally? 
How do you feel different than you did just two minutes ago when we started this practice? And so, Dr. Brenda, you agreed to being our guinea pig. Mm -hmm. So let me just ask you, how do you feel any different now than you did just a few minutes ago? The primary thing I feel is lightness. I feel this lightness, like the top of my head tingling, my neck and my shoulders tingling, all the way down my arms to my fingertips. Even my knees are tingling. I just feel light and tingly. Mm, wonderful. Really good. And I've got this irrepressible smile on my face. <laughs> I can't stop smiling. That, that's amazing, Marcy, because it didn't take much time, and it was very simple. Simple. And simple. Just, do, you, yeah. do you feel any different emotionally? You know, I'm feeling pretty jazzed about interviewing you tonight because you're one of my faves, but um, I definitely feel even lighter. Well, you know, and and what I thank you for sharing that, and thank you for being willing to share that. My guess is that that everybody listening had some shift uh, in some way. Now, not everybody feels it the same way. Some people feel lightness. Some people have the sensations that you had. Some people have a warmth in their heart. Some people just feel a little more grounded or balanced or at peace. Mm-hmm. All of these are indications that you're moving into what science calls the love response. You know, we've got these two different states of being that, that are that are physiological. They're in your body. One is called the stress response, and we all know what that feels like. You know, you're you're stuck in traffic or you had an argument with somebody you're in the stress response, and you've got all kinds of biochemicals going off that are the stress response. But there is also this state of being that has its own distinct brain activity, heart rhythms, and biochemistry called the love response. And you can habituate yourself to more and more be in the love response. So here's how you do that. This one before you do, Hang on. Before you go there, because we have a question that just came in from Jan in San Jose, and Jan sent this just before we started that process of triggering the oxytocin and the love response. She is not feeling it. She's unhappy. She said, I recently separated from my boyfriend of many years, and I find I'm so deeply depressed. I don't mm-hmm. know what to do. I, how can I find happiness? Mm-hmm. I feel terrible. Mm-hmm. Um. I I so appreciate that question and so really understand that feeling. Um, it's Jan, is that right? Yes. Oh, yeah, we've all been there. Jan, we have all been there. So so here's let me just let me just um, suggest something about this practice that we just did for everybody, and then let me address that question. Is that all right? Yeah, you bet. So this practice that we just did called the Inner Ease Technique. You know, doing it once is not going to make any shift in your life whatsoever. Where you will have a shift is if you do this a few times a day for the next couple of weeks, and it will start to habituate you into the love response so that it becomes more and more your default state, more and more where you live. And so what I suggest you do as an experiment, try this out in your life, is I suggest that you... Just make a commitment to yourself to try this for the next two weeks, two or three times a day. You can do it while you're standing in line at the grocery store, while you're sitting at a traffic light, while you don't close your eyes for that one, Um, (laughs) while you're sitting in a business meeting, or if you're on the phone with somebody. You can do it anywhere. Do it for a couple of minutes, a couple of times a day, and just see if you 
start to feel better after a few weeks. And to me, that's what's so cool. Doing these simple, simple practices can really create a shift in your happiness set point in a very short period of time. Yeah, because you're building new brain patterns by practicing anything, it's like brushing your teeth. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. And so, so Jan, let me let me address your um, your situation um, first by saying any loss, which you're in the midst of a major loss has a loss cycle that goes with it that's absolutely normal. You know, there's, and I, I, I Elizabeth Kubler-Ross was the great expert in this area of, of the five cycles of loss. And Brenda, I, I'm not, I don't remember them all. I know there's anger and grief and disbelief and all of these. Do, mm-hmm. you, do you know what they are? Yeah, we start out with numbness. Then we go to bargaining. Well, woulda, coulda, shoulda. Then the anger kicks in. And we've got um, a whole lot more of anger, and I can't remember that fourth one, but the last one is finally getting to acceptance. They don't move smoothly. We cycle in and out, in and out, in and out. And, oh, and the, sadness, hey, wait, fourth one is sadness. What sadness or grief, yes. Because that's and, where Jan is. Yes. And so know that that's normal. Rather than beating yourself up about you know what you're experiencing, that's only going to make things worse. Know that there are normal cycles, and you can also move through those cycles with greater ease and comfort if you do a few things. And one of them is do anything that I mentioned on this call that's going to raise your happiness set point because as that happiness set point gets raised, even when you're going through a really deep challenge, as the happiness set point gets raised, so does your ability to be more resilient and to bounce back. So that's the first thing. The second thing, be very loving with yourself. Give yourself the love and care that you need as though you were going through a healing process because you are. You're in the midst of an emotional healing crisis. And so if you were sick, you you know, physically sick, you'd you'd stay home. Ideally, you'd stay home. You'd take care of yourself. You'd rest. You'd eat well and nourish yourself. Same thing when you're going through some kind of an emotional crisis. You know, do what what really is self-caring and loving for you. It might be taking more baths. It might be surrounding yourself with friends. When we, especially women, by the way, when we are under stress or going through a loss, we we, we need more oxytocin. Oxytocin is what helps us heal. And there's research that's been done that's shown that women... Create more oxytocin when we tend and befriend. And tending and befriending means, tending means taking care of something, taking care of a baby, taking care of a a plant, taking care of a pet. Nurturing actually helps us create more oxytocin. And then befriending, talking to other people, talking to other, you know, support system in your life helps you get through challenges. So, you know, do oh, a lot of stuff. That's a lot of great advice. And I just want to say this, uh, Marcy, we have a couple of callers who were waiting in the queue, and then Cliff says somehow the line got dropped. So if you were calling in, call right back because we will take your call. It's 347-989-0776. And uh, it looks like that call 
Caller is back. Okay, Cliff, go right. And and can I just, I want to say one quick more thing to Jan. Jan, keep on listening because at some point between now and the time we're done, I'm going to share one other thing that is really important for you, and that is forgiveness. But I'll I'll do that in the context of the rest of our conversation. Hey, how many fingers can you put in your vagina? I want to, like, lick. Oh, so we had a crank caller about that. Well, God bless you, crank caller. (laughs) (laughs) That's what we have to say about that. So we do have a real question here that came in via Facebook. It says, I've been diagnosed with depression. Help, my doctor wants to put me on medication. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else I can do to not be on, let's see, to not be depressed? This is Mm -hmm. from Will in Oakland. Okay, so Will, thank you for that question. I think it's a really important question. And my disclaimer here is that I am not a doctor, and I am not able to give any kind of medical advice. So please um, refer to your doctor for any kind of medical advice. What I can say is that I have worked with many, many people who have either uh, avoided uh, going on antidepressants or who have actually been able to come off of antidepressants. And please do not come off of any medication like that without uh, the um, supervision of your doctor. Yeah, very Um, important, very important. Yes. Please. Absolutely, um, but there are uh, there are other things that in many cases can be very very helpful to avoid uh, a- antidepressants, and and some of them are are things to do physiologically um, to, to raise your serotonin levels. There are various amino acids that you might uh, be able to to take to raise your serotonin levels, including. Uh, tryptophan or 5-HTP, which is a precursor to tryptophan. There is, in, in Happy for No Reason, I have a an assessment. I work with a, a wonderful woman, Julia Ross, who's written a book called The Mood Cure. And she I love great, her work. Isn't she just great? Yes, yes. And she's created uh, an assessment to see if you might be low in serotonin or um, or endorphins or GABA or specific uh, specific biochemicals that really affect our happiness. And then she offers advice about what you can do from a, a more natural standpoint, from food and from, from herbs to help shift those things. And I can tell you that was very, very helpful for me, and it's been very helpful for many, many people. Yeah, and I want to weigh in there and back you up, Marcy. Uh, most of you know I teach a little process called MEDS, and that's M-E-D-D-S-S, meditation absolutely proven to help people who are depressed. And if you're mild to moderate, it will help dramatically. Exercise gets all those endorphins and serotonin, all those good things Marcy was talking about, cranking in the brain, and that's from the research of Dr. Aaron Beck at University of Pennsylvania. Diet, Julia Ross, Marcy was just speaking about detox. Because if you have a very toxic environment or eating a toxic diet or you're exposed to toxic relationships or if you are taking too much of things that make you toxic, and that could be so-called recreational drugs or alcohol, those things you really need to look at. Detox and sleep because we only get those neurochemicals in the last two hours of an eight-hour sleep cycle. Everybody got to get wow. out of sleep. I didn't yeah. actually know that. Will you yeah. just say a little bit more about that? I've yeah, never heard that. Yeah, I will. The brain, the body has its own hierarchy of what it's going to repair while we're sleeping. So 
One of my mottos is sleep is sacred mm. because the body repairs, it detoxes, and it grows new tissue only while we are asleep. And it takes the essential things first, like your heart and your organs. The brain doesn't get any attention because the body can actually go on living without the brain being repaired at that neurochemical level. So the last thing that gets repaired are those hormones, and you've got to sleep eight hours and get the last two hours in to get a full load of those nice neurotransmitters. And the final thing is support. And we have multiple, multiple, multiple studies coming in from everywhere showing that emotional support, what Marcy was saying about tending and being tended, I would add, yes. that triggers the love response when somebody's loving and caring and or you're getting a massage, you need support. So meds, meditation, exercise, diet, sleep, diet detox, sleep, and support. So there's, mm. there's my formula. I love that formula. And, and may I add in one little extra piece about the sleep, sleep piece? I've I've studied Ayurvedic medicine for many years, and Ayurvedic medicine is the and medicine. we're going to take a live question as soon as you're done there, Marcy. Okay, Standing it's, it's the medicine from India, uh, five thousand year old system. And according to Ayurvedic medicine, and also to Chinese medicine, it's not just how many hours we sleep; it's also which hours we sleep. Our bodies have circadian cycles, and it's been found that every hour of sleep before midnight is worth twice as much as the sleep after midnight. So the, the magic hour is 10 o'clock. Um, we shift into a different Ayurvedic, into a different cycle at 10 o'clock where we tend to get a second wind and we can like really power through and go until midnight or one. You don't want to do that. Our bodies naturally start to get tired around 9.30. If you can catch that cycle of going to bed by 10, you will if do it three nights in a row, bed by 10, up at 6, three nights in a row, and I promise you on the fourth morning you will feel like a different person. That's wonderful. That's old Ben Franklin, early to bed and early to rise makes you healthy, wealthy, and wise, everybody, and happy. Okay, let's take this live call. Cliff, here you go. Got Hello. Our go ahead. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm on the air. Yes. Can you hear me? Hi, uh, Dr. Wade. Good morning, afternoon, rather evening, rather. I'm sorry. Um, I had a <clears throat> I had a question about melatonin and how I could use. I've been using that since 1995 to help me sleep so, uh, here off and on, and now I keep using it because I had to stop smoking marijuana because of my wife. Uh, that seemed to help me out before, um, but I'm concerned because someone was telling me there's long-term effects with it your body will stop producing the melatonin naturally and that you would have to go through light therapy machines to get that fixed. And I wake up depressed all the time also when I'm on the melatonin. What are your thoughts on this? Wow. I would say you need a really good medical workup. That's the first and the most prudent thing to do. Talk to your physician about what you're going through because it sounds really difficult. Are you okay? Now, what I want to recommend is after you get medically cleared that you look at loading the meds program and add to that a special kind of support. It's 
called psychotherapy because if you're feeling depressed and things are out of whack, you're going to need some deep professional support to help you through it. What I do want to say is a lot of people who are coming off dependence of any kind feel depressed after because your brain is actually depleted of a lot of those great old neurochemicals Marcy and I have been talking about because the brain does uptake something like cannabis instead of melatonin or uptakes the melatonin tabs instead of making it, okay? All right, so thank you so much for calling in. I appreciate your calling in. All right, so we move on. Marcy, anything you want to add to that? No, I, you know, you you hit the nail on the head, as you always do. Okay, so, you know, I want to ask you, uh uh-oh, looks like we have another question. One second. You guys, it's okay that you are calling in and asking questions. Okay, this one sounds sounds like love is one of the barriers to happiness here, Marcy. We're going to have to really look at, uh, I want to say this to Jan, by the way, who is depressed. One question that will help you with that healing cycle that Marcy talked about, and I've said this to so many people in you know our seminars and in my work over the years, if you ask yourself, what is the most important thing I learned mm-hmm. in this relationship? How did it help me to grow and become a better person? That will help you tremendously, tremendously. I I love that question, and let me add on another one that I, I find to be really helpful in these kinds of situations. You know, I interviewed, at this point I've interviewed thousands of people who um, who are really happy, deeply, unconditionally happy. And I found a few very, uh, you, I found some universal truths about these people. And one of them is they all believed that this is a friendly universe. Uh, Einstein said one of his famous quotes was that the most important question you can ask yourself is, is this a friendly universe? And the people who are happiest will always say, yes, it's a benevolent, good universe. The universe is on our side. And what that means is not everything will always go our way. Not everything will feel good. We'll have challenges like illnesses or or relationship problems or financial problems. If, in fact, it's a friendly universe, then everything that's happening ultimately is happening for our own good. So here's the question I would suggest that you – here's another great question I would suggest that you ask, Jan, and that is, if this were happening for a higher purpose, what would that be? So if this deep, you know, challenge that I'm going through in this relationship breakup, if this were – if the the universe is friendly and this were happening for my greatest good, what could be in it for me? Good question, Marcy. So you're taking us into the home stretch, and in the the old Black Baptist church I grew up in, when the preacher got toward the end of the sermon, somebody in the back would always yell, take us home, Rev. (laughs) So Marcy, you have another process for us to practice, and then take us home, honey. Okay. Well, people are always asking me, what's the fast track to happiness? And uh, I would say two answers to this. First of all, it's quite individual. Some people really need help on the physiological side of things. Some people need to change their thought processes. 
Some people need um, to open their heart more. So it's important to look at what's what's most important for you. But if there were one universal fast track, I would say it's forgiveness. And I said I was going to mention forgiveness earlier. We cannot be happy when we are sitting with anger, resentment. Um, You know, it blocks us. It blocks everything. So I'm going to share with you a very simple forgiveness practice. There are many out there. This is my favorite. It's simple and it works. And if you've got a pen and paper, I want you to write this down. The practice itself is called Ho'oponopono. Now, you don't have to write that down. You never have to even be able to say that word, Ho'oponopono. Um, it comes from an ancient uh, Hawaiian tradition, which is why all the O's and the P's in it. And it's a simple practice that involves these four statements. And the, uh, these are the four statements I suggest you write down that you, you feel towards yourself in your heart. And they are, I'm sorry, please forgive me, thank you, I love you. And I'm going to repeat those. I'm sorry, please forgive me, thank you, I love you. And what you do is you you take whatever situation you are upset about, it could be about somebody else, it could be towards yourself, and you imagine those four wishes going out both towards that other person and towards yourself. And it just, it honestly, it produces its magical results. And I, I've seen it hundreds and hundreds of times. I've seen it in my own life. Uh, do we have time for me to share a quick story about how I've used it in my own life? Absolutely, Marcy. Go for it. Okay. So five years ago, my sister and I got in an argument. We weren't talking to each other. Now, this had never happened in our family, so it was it was so uncomfortable. And I dug my heels in. She did, you know, we just, we, neither of us was budging on it. We were in the silent treatment. This went on for four months until our family had to get together to move our mother from our family home, where she'd lived for 58 years, into assisted living. And the morning of the move, we all gathered at my mom's new assisted living apartment to unpack her things. Well, I was terrified of going because I thought, oh, my God, how's this going to be with my sister? And sure enough, I I came in last, and I hugged and kissed everybody hello except her. We ignored each other. This went on all morning, and it was so uncomfortable. Everybody, you know, you could feel the tension in the air. Everybody knew what was going on. It was awful. So after a full morning of this, I decided to take a break and go to my car. And on my way to the car, I remembered Ho'oponopono. So I sat in my car, and I just sent her that those wishes, I'm sorry, please forgive me, thank you, I love you. And I sent them towards myself. And after five minutes, a wave of love washed over me and my heart broke open. And I realized that my sister wasn't mad at me for what had happened a few months earlier, but it was a lifetime of stuff that I suddenly was able to see from her point of view. And it shifted everything. And I went back into the apartment feeling so much love for my sister, but I decided not to say anything to anybody. I just went back and I started unpacking my mom's things. Three minutes later, my sister came over to me out of the blue, grabbed me by the hand, and said, come on, let's go unpack mom's closet together, which is what we did. An hour later, she's, we're at lunch, and she hands me her baked potato and says, here, I want you to have mine. I know you like these more than I do. And I was so shocked that I pulled my brother aside and I said, okay, what did you tell her while I was gone? And he he said, Marcy, no one said anything to her. We have no idea what has just happened. 
Well, Brenda, that was the beginning of an entirely different relationship that I have with my sister. I actually saw her this last weekend. She lives in, in Oregon, and I, I it's just a different relationship. And thank God it happened, and thank God it happened when it did, because just uh, nine months later, she and I found ourselves standing in that same closet of our mother's, this time packing up mom's clothes because she just died quite suddenly. And I can't imagine what that would have been like. Had we oh, had that wow. anger. So yes. I, I tell people, please, you know, we, we all have somebody or something in our lives to forgive. So just try it out for yourself and see what happens. Now spell it out again, Marcy, for okay. everyone who didn't have their pen fast enough or didn't get that tablet out. Go ahead. Good, good. So the, the name of it is called Ho-O-Pono-Pono, but you don't have to worry about the stuff, that. It's four phrases. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. That is so powerful that you were able to create that breakthrough because that takes us back to where you started, talking about shifting your consciousness and getting to compassion instead of resentment. And by the way, everybody, you all know that old saying about resentment is like poison, only you're drinking it, thinking the other person's going to die. That is a great way to pull your energy and consciousness down into the gutter to stay in resentment and anger. And what Marcy is talking about is simply getting to the level of the heart. Once we open the heart, Marcy, it's game over, isn't it? Yes. Or it's game starting. Game starting. There you go. Because now we're talking about happiness. That's the real breakthrough. So now I know you interviewed thousands of people about happiness, and you have a lot of things that you discovered those people had in common. Can you just give us three that you feel like these are the keys that those people taught you? Oh, well, I mean, I can say the qualities that they had in common. I mean, first of all, the things that they did is they all felt deeply connected to life. They felt a deep connection to whatever you would call the greater spirit of the universe, God, the divine, nature, and they did things to help feel that connection. So that's one. The second is they lived in gratitude. They were regularly grateful. They savored the good things in their life. And the third thing was they they really they recognized that everything they surrounded themselves with was food for them. So they surrounded themselves with everything that was nourishing, with uplifting people, with uplifting things to read, with with good food nourishment, that 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 mattered. What you took in in every way mattered. So those were three of the main things Mm, that they did. I love that. That's beautiful. And then the last thing I have to ask you is how can our shift toward greater happiness improve the lives around us and the Mm. world because so many of our listeners really want to make the world a better place, really want to give their their seva, their selfless service? Well, that's such an important question because, honestly, a lot of people say to me, isn't being happy, wanting to be happy or selfish? And my answer is it's the least selfish thing that we can possibly do because when you're happier, you are affecting everybody around you. Happiness is contagious, as is unhappiness. So we want to be happier so we can actually spread that through the world. And, you know, I always love to end with a a Chinese proverb that I think sums that up and why we're all here today. It goes like this. It says, when there is light in the soul, 
there will be beauty in the person. When there is beauty in the person, there will be harmony in the house. When there is harmony in the house, there will be order in the nation. And when there is order in the nation, there will be peace in the world. And my prayer and my wish is that we all feel that light in our souls. And through that, we create more peace on this Mm. planet of ours. That's beautiful, Marcy. So our own individual happiness and peace is going to change the world. I have always believed that. And here's a little factoid for you in case you don't believe it, everybody. Most of you know that 4,000 people meditated in Washington, D.C., which was then sadly the murder capital of the United States. In the following year, there were 50% fewer homicides because 4,000 people focused on peace. So and here's Brenda, a challenge. What you, Brenda, what <laughs> yes. you don't know is I was actually one of that was oh, an experiment, Marcy. and I was part of that experimental project. Yeah. I love it. Oh, that's so wonderful. I didn't know that. Yeah. So everybody, here's a challenge. There are at least 10,000 people listening to this podcast, whether you're listening live or via recording, Spread this to everybody you know, share it everywhere, like it everywhere, so we can challenge everyone to focus on peace and harmony within and put that out in the world. Now, Marcy, you've got something special I want to tell everyone about before we let you go. Everybody, do you want more miracles in your life? Well, guess what? Marcy has a program called the Year of Miracles. And you can go to youryearofmiracles.com and get on the list to find out more about that. And she would be very happy to send you the info, youryearofmiracles.com. Marcy's got fabulous books out there. Go to her website, find out all about her, stay connected with her. Marcy Shimoff from the bottom of my heart. Thank you, and you make me so happy. Oh, thank you, and it's mutual. And, you know, I love that you started off with the feral song on happy because that really is, I think, uh, it's it's a revolution that's happening, and we're all part of that. Yes, we are. All right, everyone, thank you for being with us, and if you want more inspiration, upliftment, and happiness in your life, mark your calendar now, October 11th and 12th, We're going to be leading our last two-day intensive of the year right here in our Good Love Academy. We have spectacular special guests coming our way. I'm going to invite Marcy, and if she has time, she might be one of them. So we'll talk about that later, Marcy. We'll just tease everybody with that. All right, so everyone, go out there and remember your mantra, I am worthy, I am deserving, and I love myself unconditionally. Keep repeating that so that you're generating that love for yourself from the inside out. And we'll be with you again next week. Much love. Many blessings, everyone. And thank you, by the way, to our producer.